Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast, where we explore the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics around the world. I'm your host, Rob Howe, 11-year type 1 diabetic and Diabetics Doing Things founder. Diabetics Doing Things is looking for sponsors. For more information, visit our website at diabeticsdoingthings.com forward slash sponsorships. This week, we welcome Scriven Bernard, an 18-year type 1 veteran working in the nonprofit space in Dallas, Texas. This is episode two. This is the first, like, actually real life, uh, live recorded in action in studio in Dallas, Texas episode of Diabetics Doing Things. And this is Scriven Bernard. Hello. Also known as Bernard Scriven. Yes. To some people. Yes, to the tech guys at work. To the t- in the tech community, you swap those names around. Uh, so, I've known, I've known you for what, about a year now? Yeah. Or so? so. Yeah. yeah. And um, knowing you through improv, obviously. And, um, Tell us a little bit about yourself, like uh, where you're where you from, what you're all about. Yeah, cool. So I was born in Louisiana, and when I was about four years old, we moved to Amarillo, Texas. And Amarillo is the place to be. Um, I've heard that. Yeah. Like so, like, I, you know, I've had breakfast there. Yeah. Where at? Big Texan? Uh, I didn't eat at the Big Texan. I had I stopped at Whataburger. Oh, uh, that's a great place. Yeah, too. yeah. We're I don't famous. know. It's a really, really cool yeah. local spot. Yeah, we're famous for that. Um, also, I remember you guys have like a downtown area where you have like the freeway exchange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's lights. I don't know. It was like stoplights and Whataburger. Yeah, we have one building that's over twelve stories. I think it's yeah. fantastic. So. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful place. Yeah, but I was I was so I lived there till September of last year, and I did a lot of work with like. So I worked at a university, and then um, down in Canyon, which is just a little bit south of Amarillo. And while I was doing that, I did a lot of volunteer work. So I worked a lot with like the American Cancer Society, and did a lot of Relay for Life stuff for them as well. And so I was working like essentially like forty volunteer hours a week, as well as my job. It was wearing me out. And uh, I had a friend from high school that had moved to Dallas from Austin, and she um, had found the job at the company I work for now which works a lot with nonprofits, nice. and I saw that she, I knew she liked it, I'd seen a lot of her posts about it, and I was like, you know, that would be perfect to get paid for something that has to do with the nonprofit space, so I looked into it, and um, I fell in love with it, interviewed, got hired, and I've been there ever since. And so, yeah, so I mean, you've been in Dallas a little, almost a year, and a little, over, a little a year. over a year, that's awesome. Um, what's, what's different about... Uh, I, I travel a lot this year, and I know like being in a place where there's like 400 Walgreens yeah. is different than like I, I was in Oregon one time and I like ran out of insulin. Yeah, I was just like, shit. That, that happened to me in Oregon. I um, went. To, actually, what happened was I went to see to to visit my cousin, and I packed all of my medical stuff in a bag with my contacts and everything, set it on my toilet in my apartment, put everything else in my uh, suitcase, whatever. I go to the airport, get to her place, I uh, get all my stuff out that night, I take my contacts out, the next morning I wake up and go to get new contacts and realize that I've left that bag on the toilet back at home, I had my insulin and everything in it, so I had to like, she had to call people she knew who knew diabetics, hunt down somebody who had insulin, and I had to borrow insulin. Oh, that's, I mean, look at that network, that's right? so cool. Yeah. Uh, and you know, that's like the, that's part of this show's like mission, is to like expose other people to the cool things that diabetics are doing. Like, nobody would have even thought that that's, you know, there's a whole other step to vacationing. 
Yeah, that's that's one of those little things that people don't realize is because like I had a somebody at work the other day just hypothetically said, you know, what if you were what if you were going somewhere and you got stranded or whatever? And like, oh, that'd be terrible. Blah blah blah. And it's like that's a real worry for us. Like you, if you're going on a trip somewhere, if you're going out of the country, or whatever, you've got to you've got to be really careful about that because if you do get stranded, like you're not going to last very long without a supply of insulin. Yeah. And it's like, you're not going to be one of those people on an island that's like, oh, nine months later they found me. It's like, you got about like a week, maybe. Yeah, then you got to figure something out. Yeah. Uh, I think about that a lot. Like, what I, what will I do if like society stops? Mm-hmm. It uh, keeps it keeps me from like wanting to travel sometimes. And yeah. I, I hate that, but like I travel in the, in the United States and I'll go to different cities and whatnot and I, I enjoy doing that, but it's just like, I'd love to go to Cambodia one day, and that just terrifies me. Like, the idea of what happens if you get there, and something happens to my insulin, and how do I find a doctor and get insulin and do yeah. it. And it's just, it's just a lot to think about. And if I was, you know, one of these days I'll do it. But I'll go with you, man. Uh, I, I got, I, I, when I, the longest trip I ever went on, uh, I went to, like, the Middle East, Afghanistan, mm-hmm. on this military tour when I was playing with the uh, Washington Generals. Mm-hmm. And I went to Target, and I found this, like, ro- this like bag. I, I don't know, for some reason, I just felt like these bags existed, where, like, they had different little pockets, and they kind of, like, fold up. Mm-hmm. And I, like, put, I had a month or more supply, like, diabetes supplies in this, like, little, like, basically, like, binder little thing. Yeah. And I still use it. I used it when I, when I go overseas, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it's all in one place, and like I was like, I need something I can grab quick, and mm-hmm. I still had, I had like four vials of insulin in it. I didn't even use it all, but it was just like if something were to happen and we were like stuck here for a couple extra weeks, I would have been fine. I think the whole trip was like three and a half weeks. Yeah. And I still had plenty, so yeah, I gotta, I gotta just clue you in on my travel schemes. Yeah, well, we'll we'll, we'll plan something. Let's do I, it. I definitely want to uh, want to go somewhere and don't want to die while I do. Yeah, it. that's terrible. I think uh, death really puts a damper on a vacation. Yeah, I, I don't know. You should not, you know, try everything once. Yeah, no. Perfect. Yeah. So, uh, let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about, uh, you, how long have you had diabetes? It's, tw- it's 2015 now. Yes. Almost 2016. I've had diabetes for 18 years. I was diagnosed when I was nine years old. What was that so. like, being nine? I remember, I, mean, I remember being, I had a chili bowl. Yeah. I was I, pretty concerned with that. I, I can't remember anything before I was nine or really in the years up until I was about a mid-teenager. But I remember very vividly um, what it was like being nine years old, being diagnosed. Like I, I remember, I remember that as well as I remember like what I did yesterday, because um, it was terrifying at the time. Like I didn't know anything about it, and my, my. If you want to know my diagnosis story, I'll yeah, tell you. yeah, that's, 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 that's what we're here for. It's a little depressing, but um, I was in fourth grade, and I had this friend named Craig, and Craig had cerebral palsy. He also had type 1 diabetes. I did not know about the type 1 mm. diabetes. So I knew that Craig had... Uh, I, well, I, I, no, I'm sorry. I got that backwards. I did not know about the cerebral palsy. I knew about the type 1 diabetes. So I didn't know what... You know, because it's a complicated thing to explain to kids. Sure. But I knew that he had diabetes. And so what I meant to say originally was that that's what I thought it was. I mm. thought the diabetes was the cerebral palsy. So my mom was a nurse... And she started to recognize the signs. Like, I started, I remember we went to see uh, Les Miserables in the Amarillo The Liam Neeson version. Yes, that's the yeah, one we that's saw. that's right. Uh, but we went and saw that, and 
it was uh, during the show I had to go to the bathroom something like 16 times or something it was some ridiculous amount and I kept counting because at that point it was an achievement um, but I was very sick and my mom eventually realized like once I started like wetting the bed because I would have to wake up so many times in the in the night that eventually I just got lazy and I'm just like screw it I'll just pee in this bed and let's <laughs> clean it up later. <laughs> like I, I'm tired of getting up and she kind of figured out what happened uh, and what was going on and so she came and picked me up from school one day and she was just being really weird about it she was like we're just gonna go to the doctor and it's no biggie or and she was never like that and I hmm. so I knew something was up. And we got to the doctor, and this nurse came out, and uh, I remember clear as day, she, my, my mom hasn't said a thing, she walks into the lobby, and she calls my name, and then she goes, what else is wrong with him besides him being diabetic? And I just, like, first of all, my mother was furious, and then I just, like, lost it, because... What a bad manner. I know, right? I was, I'm sure she was fired or something, because <laughs> that can't be the only bad thing she ever did. But all I could think of was Craig. And, like, we loved Craig, but Craig was different, and we all knew that. And I thought it was the diabetes, and so as soon as they said that, like, I lost it. Mm. I was sobbing. I was freaking out. They had to, my mom essentially had to hold me down. And then I spent four days in the hospital, and it was just a rush, just learning a lot of stuff at once, just a lot of people explaining to me that Craig had two things, that I was still a normal person. And right. So, yeah. Is there's there's a there's a pick me up story for you. Well, I you know I, I think everybody the key there is everybody has a different diagnosis story, uh, and they we, it's cool that everybody remembers it so vividly. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's such a huge moment. Uh, two days before I was diagnosed, I was seeing a movie too. I, I saw The Aviator, uh -huh. which is like a two hour and forty minute movie. Yeah. Um, and I went to the, I must have gone to the bathroom like sixteen times. This is not yeah. your podcast. Hey, like, buddy, are you diabetic uh, too? What what are we gonna find out? I've known diabetic cats, by the way. I've had I had a diabetic dog. Oh really? Um, growing up, and I think that like helped me like clue in a little bit to like what was like what because I had to take care of her sometimes, mm -hmm. so like help her give her shots before she ate, and um, like she had like would her blood sugar would plummet sometimes because she, she was a dog, she couldn't like test it or let us know, you know. It's so weird. <laughs> I know she was super. Uh, yeah, she was a super dumb diabetic. <laughs> what a mooch. God. She was, you know, couldn't even take care of herself. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, really bad about her shots. But um, it helped me learn, like, a little bit of, like, how it went. But then I, I remember, too, like, that education process. Like, I remember being on the phone with the kitchen. They're like, you have to order your food, and you get this many carbs. And I'm like, mm -hmm. uh, what is this? <laughs> like, yeah. they had, a, a, you know, just a menu with all these different numbers on it and, like, counting by 15. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, what a huge adjustment. Oh, yeah. But... It's so weird, like the the weird movies you see before that some, something like that happens. The Aviator. That's interesting. I've never seen it again. I never went back. Really? Is it is it like have you ever seen like posters of it or heard people mention it? And just gives you weird vibes. Yeah, I thought like I legitimately I, I hear people say like oh it's what a triumph like what a great movie I'm like I don't know I don't really like it because I was so annoyed yeah. I had to keep getting up and down yeah. like going into the theater. So, yeah, I don't know. It's one of, like, a couple things I haven't done. Have you not done anything since you've been diagnosed? I mean, yours is a little bit longer ago than mine. Um, I never trick-or-treated after I was diagnosed okay. because it was right before Halloween. Right. And that was a big thing for me. And so I would dress up, but I, like, wouldn't go out. And then my friends would all go out. They would mm. bring back the candy, and my mom would take us up to the oncology for uh, one of the hospitals. We would give out the candy there. So, But I would... Oh, really it was cool. just weird for me. Like, I would never go out. Um... 
and trick or treat with them. I just it was I don't I don't think I was conscious of why I was making that choice at the time, but I think now it's obvious. Yeah, clearly. Just yeah. your your I mean what uh and what time of year were you diagnosed? October. Oh so it was like, like right, right before. before. So mm-hmm. it was like you just you just weren't even thinking about it at that point, like it just yeah. kinda went by. Yeah. Yeah. I was in the I was in the hospital for four days and then I stayed home for four days after that. I think, you know, I don't, it seems like a long time to be out of the hospital or be out of school and whatnot, but, and, like, while I was at home, all of my friends from school, like, everybody in the fourth grade class wrote letters in crayon, of course, and I don't know why that's important, but I just I think it is. I mean, uh, crayon, like, I, I think, I think it wouldn't have meant as much if they'd, like, printed them on the computer, but they all had, like, crayons and markers. Although, in that day, like, it probably would have been more, like, they went through more to, like, find a <laughs> They printer. found computer ink. And print it. Yeah. <laughs> they loaded it up with toner just for you. Yeah. But no, and I, so I had this stack of, this stack of letters, and you know, none of them had any idea what I was in the hospital for. But it was, it was cool to see that children had been forced to, to write things to some, make me feel some, better. Some teacher was having a bad afternoon. And I was like, <laughs> just write letters to script. Everyone write. Yeah. You will, you will write a letter to script. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. It was, uh. What and think think about this like your life obviously your life changes a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, what today like what's your how's your life different from like a normal you know twenty eight twenty nine year old guy? I think that well you've got like the obvious differences like basically anything I do I've got to be diabetes is just always in the background so right. it's like if I go play tennis if I go run whatever uh, I've got to take precautions. I have to make sure that my blood sugar is stable before I do it. Um, I have to go buy little Minute Maid things of orange juice or whatever, just have something on standby, especially if I'm not close to my house or wherever. And you just always have to be thinking like precautions. So you can never, you can never be in a situation where you don't have resources nearby, like, you know, every sugar you can get to if your blood sugar drops or whatever. I mean, it's one thing to go to work where my blood sugar is going to be stable for the most part. But you go, especially if you do something with a physical activity, you got to be thinking of that sort of thing. Because my degree is in biochemistry. And I, I'd originally, you know, started pursuing that because I thought I wanted to go into pharmacy or whatever. And, you know, then I kind of realized I liked the nonprofit space better. I didn't want, I didn't really see myself becoming a pharmacist or anything like that. But I was already well on my way to getting the degree, so I finished it. But I always had an interest in science, how the human body worked, and all that sort of stuff because of the diabetes. Like, I was always very independent, and so, I, I mean, I don't think anyone else ever gave me an insulin shot, ever, because I was so stubborn about it, and was like, I'm going to do this, hmm. I don't want all these people controlling this disease for me, like, even when I was nine, I remember deciding I was going to learn as much as I could about it, and so that's what I did, I started learning, and that's kind of why I went and got my degree, and um, just because I've, and so it's, I've just always had this quest for, like, understanding the things about myself, and I think it started with diabetes, so. Isn't that interesting, like, uh, you get a little bit of a chip on your shoulder? Yeah, I was in elementary school, so, you know, you know, kids are mean. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what your experience was like, but... They, for some reason, found ways to bully me for diabetes. And it's not even something that, like, you can bully someone about. It's like, 
oh, your pancreas doesn't make insulin. Like, I mean, <laughs> like what, on you. But they would. They just, they knew it upset me, and that was all they needed. Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> you're diabetic. And so, it, like, that was part of the reason that I was like, I'm never going to let this control me or anyone else control me with this. And, and it's, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think I, I wrote, like, I wrote a paper one time in high school. Yeah. It was some like uh it was I was in some A P English class or something, it was like a writing prompt and they were like, you know, write about like something in your life that's hard or something that and I was like, Oh cool, got this one. Mm. And uh I wrote this paper called uh Diabetes Didn't Bring Me to My Knees. It, it taught me to stand. <laughs> <laughs> and I got so I got so mad when my teacher she gave me like a like a seventy five on it. I was like, You gotta be kidding me. Like, <laughs> like, this, like, this is this is heartfelt, ma'am. You don't understand. <laughs> You're I, like, this I, is diseasist. You can't do <laughs> this to me. That's what I, I, she, I knew she gave it to me just because I was pandering. But yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, my big thing is um, needles when people are like, I gotta go, I have to get my blood. I'm like, oh, come on. You know how many shots I've given in my, and it's, it's crappy to do, but it's the one thing we got. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's true. like It's just so true. It. It's like the one thing. Yeah. Like, all the times we endure, oh, you can, can you eat this? <laughs> Oh, it's office birthdays. Can you eat this? I don't. I don't understand that. Like, why? Why, as a, a human, you would ever walk up to someone and and ask them anything? Because when you say that, when you say, "Hey, should you be eating that?" You're saying, "I don't trust you to be able to take care of yourself as a person." Yeah. Like, so I, I just whatever it is, I shove it in my mouth immediately and ask them to see their medical degree, basically. But it's just you still get I'm, mad. I you do still get fiery, and I'm still I'm still a, a jerk about it too. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I'm just when I, and people are curious and they just want to know but yeah. and that's like people don't know the questions to ask I know and it's, what's the right question what's the right question to ask so my boss at work uh, at one point like so we had kind of whenever I started working there we had the initial like like oh can you eat that sort of thing and then I just kind of gently said hey I don't like that here's why whatever and then after that it was always like you know oh tell me more about it teach me, like, I don't know anything about it, what is this, and I thought that was cool, so when you approach it kind of admitting that you don't know anything, or that you, you know, aren't interested in learning, and you don't, you, you could start it with that, be like, I don't know what to ask, but I'd like to learn about it, or something, I'll totally help you out, Yeah. but that's totally different than starting with a statement that tells me you don't trust me to be able to handle myself, you know, it's, and I get it, people don't really mean it that way, but there's stigmas with diabetes, and there's a long history of a lack of technology and diabetes treatment. And so when in the past they would have to use like primitive methods essentially with shots or even before that, like, you know, I don't even know what all they had to do to get insulin in their bodies, but when you're using like insulin that you cannot uh, fine tune the dosages of very well and that sort of thing, it's just a shot in the dark. <laughs> get it? Uh, Sorry, that was bad. Anyway, but it is. It's a shot in the dark, and so you're trying to you're trying to maintain your blood sugars with these primitive methods, and so the best way to do that is to limit the amount of sugar that you intake. Right. Uh, we also, as you know, we used to have the long-acting insulin where you would give the shot like it, in the morning or whatever, and it would yep. last all day or into the next day or whatever. And so that basal mice, yeah. Yeah, and so you had, uh, essentially, you kind of had to stick to kind of the same diet all the time, or at least know what you were going to eat, because you couldn't fluctuate too much if you weren't giving short-term insulin with it, which I wasn't. And so... You were on strictly, like, Lantus at some there point? There was a little bit of Humalog with it, okay. but it was, like, I only had, like, two Humalog shots a day, 
and so it wasn't like now where I can eat whenever it was mm -hmm. like I, I had a few right. set times and so the the problem comes if you want a snack in the middle of the day or something but because of that like because we have these set regimens and you couldn't just go eat a piece of cake in the middle of the day because you haven't given the insulin for it then you you they did say diabetics shouldn't eat sugar they shouldn't eat these kinds of things because it's tough to manage and now that we have the pumps it's still certainly easier to manage your blood sugars if you keep your diet, you know, relatively restricted, but you can eat things like cake as long as you plan for it and stuff like right. that. And that's the thing, we know what we're doing with the insulin pumps and so we can accommodate that sort of thing. But you just have those, you know, the way that people used to view it and it just sticks because people, instead of learning about it, they just go with whatever they read on Wikipedia or heard from their grandmother. And I think, I think it's got to be easier to be diagnosed when you're nine than it was like when you were 16 because like for me for you you've gone through 16 years of life and you're you're totally used to it you you're into your rebellious teenage years and that sort of thing for me it's like i'm nine but i'm still doing what my parents say to do and that sort of thing and so it's i was just so lame i never i never rebelled i just always did what my parents said. perfect i yeah, believe so. you i believe you now that it actually caused me to rebel quite a bit more, or I don't know if it was more than I would have, but it was like, that was the one thing I had that I knew would really upset my parents, so I'd be like, I'm not doing my blood sugars, or I did a lot of damage back then, I'd be like, my blood sugar's 400 right now, what are you going to do about it, and it's like, now I look back and I'm like, you were an idiot, <laughs> why would you do that to yourself, yeah. it's so funny, uh, well, I never, I, I always think the opposite, like, uh, you know, if what would have happened, I mean, when you're young, I, I hear about little kids who are two and three who get diagnosed with diabetes, and it's like, oh, man, like, I, I you know, what a burden on the parents, like, you've got, you've got to look out for them, and at the same time, like, being five on the playground's hard enough, you know what I mean, trying to just learn and navigate your way through life, and you have this on top of it, um, you know, but everybody has something, I guess. Mm -hmm. you know, um, well, I used to babysit some kids back in Amarillo who were diabetic, and their parents, you know, you don't want to leave them with a regular babysitter, I guess, especially because they were like two and three. That's a great gig, though. Yeah, of course it is, because you're like, you're the only one. I've got yeah. a monopoly on this. <laughs> you corner that market. Yeah. But it was like, it was terrifying, because the three-year-old, like, for instance, didn't have the senses that I had. He couldn't feel it. He didn't know what it meant. Like, we we went, um, one day I did not know that his mom had given him insulin before I got to the house, and she, she was just spacing out, she just totally forgot, and so I didn't, I was planning on us doing lunch in like a couple hours or something, and so, you know, total mix-up, but it's like, we, we head to the park to feed the ducks, and we're just walking, and, you know, his sister and me, and we're just walking, and all of a sudden I realized that he's kind of lagging behind us and I turn and I look and I just see his face and I just see it. It's, you know, his lips are kind of going blue. He's like turning pale and he's just like starting to look like he's spacing out and I'm like, that's low blood sugar. And like I had his bag in the car uh, that had all his orange juice and stuff in it so he was fine but he was like, you could not, you could not walk to me. So I like pick him up. It just, it hit fast and I was like, that is, it hits a lot faster when they're young like that. I imagine, yeah. Because they don't have the body mass that we have to take the insulin or whatever so for him, it's like, I was like, okay. <laughs> so it was scary, but it's like, that's why I'm there, as opposed yeah. to a regular babysitter, you know. Yeah. Who might not know, just might see something and think, you know, he's sick or something and not know how to how to deal with it. Um, that's a pretty, 
That's a pretty wild little blood sugar story, even not from you. Do you have any like crazy low or high experiences other than rebelling with your parents when you're 400, <laughs> when you're 400 above? I do, and I, it's a somewhat gross one. I'm going to tell it anyway. Yeah, and this is what the, this is what the show's all about, guys. Get these stories out there. So when I was a rebellious teenager, well, when I was about, it's probably 14 or 15, and because I had done so much damage with my blood sugars. Uh, I had this condition called gastroparesis, mm -hmm. where the gastric nerve to the stomach is damaged by sugar, and so it doesn't respond as quickly. So sometimes if I ate foods that had too much fat in them, like taco salad on this particular <laughs> night, um, I wouldn't digest them. Oh, no. And so my stomach would never release its contents, and it would just keep getting fuller and fuller. So the problem with that is that I'd already given my insulin on this one particular night, and the food's not going in, so I'm not actually turning the food into sugar, so right. the insulin's hitting and my blood sugar's dropping and there's no food going into my system, but my stomach was completely full. Like, like when you're at Thanksgiving dinner, have to un undo your belt full, and I had to treat a low blood sugar, and I couldn't. And it was like, I, I was going to throw up if I put anything in my mouth, and my blood sugar started dropping so fast, and I started, like, I remember, like, blacking out a bit. And finally... My mom drags me into the bathroom, and I just, like, kind of force myself to throw up. And I throw up in the toilet, and then my stomach's empty, and then I turn and just, like, down, like, half a jug of orange juice. And it was... And so I was fine. It picked back up, but I, I, was, I was bottoming. Like, it had gotten to the point where my meter said low, um, which is, like, yeah. below, below 20 below on those 20. meters. And um, so, yeah, it was, like... I remember, and it was terrifying, and I was, like, I was in shock. And so I was like sweating and clammy and all that crap, and it was. So yeah, I remember it. it was terrifying, just feeling like, what do I do? You know, I mean, had I had my wits about me, I probably would have been like, well, I could just throw all this up and then get orange juice. Yeah, when you're but, 15, you know, I know, like, yeah. you know how to do that. I, I guess you know, if you're lucky, yeah. you don't know how to do that. But so. it was, it was there was a lot of panic, and it was. It's probably my best low blood sugar story. There's always that moment, like when you're in a relationship with somebody, like you change your pump in front of them, mm -hmm. and they, they like either they look yeah. on fascinated or they're like, "Oh my god, that needle!" And it, I like to do the thing where you're like pretending to hide it, and you're like, "Oh, just don't look, don't look, don't worry <laughs> about it. I'm fine. Look how big this needle is. Like, yeah, whatever. I just it's just so hard. You pull that needle. It's like, ah. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> They're like, why'd you make that sound with your mouth? I'm like, mm, let me have that. Can't you let me have anything? <laughs> uh, have you ever? I've, I've, uh, one time I was putting my pump or putting the side in, and I'm like, I take the needle out, and I accidentally drop it, and then I'm going to like fix the tape, and I'm like, well, I'll get it in a second, and I step right on it, and the needle like went up in my foot. Oh no! I was just like, I th okay. <laughs> I think about that. Every time I throw a needle in the trash, like reaching into the trash to get something and just mm -hmm. sticking it through my hand. Mm -hmm. So I never have. I'm just terrified of, mm -hmm. like, I'm so aware of that needle all the time. If I drop it on the floor, I'm like, <gasps> freeze! Yeah. <laughs> like a... I've, I've had one under my thumbnail. I don't even know how it happened. It was like I went to pick up the side thing. It didn't go very far. It just, it was enough that it, like, it hurt. And I was like, it was, it was more the heebie-jeebies that it gave me. Just yeah. like thinking, oh, something's under my nail. But, um, yeah, it's... I had a, when I had the pens, like one had come, I don't know, you, you had pens, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Some went like, you know, the little caps, like, mm -hmm. you screw the cap on, pop it off, and then pull off like the needle guard. Well, mm -hmm. like, I think the needle guard had like, I dropped it, and so in my bag was like my used ones, because mm -hmm. I would put them in my little bin, my like safety bin when I got home. Mm -hmm. It came off, and I like put my hand in there, and 
it like it stuck me and it like stuck through like the callus on my thumb and it was like sticking out I was like gosh yeah that was it was gross but it, and, and like gave me the heebie-jeebies but it was also like super anticlimactic I was yeah. like okay well you were like you kind of wanted like it's nearly like, bleed to death or something like, like that I wanted to, to at least be impactful but yeah. it just wasn't it was silly hmm. so um what I mean we've talked a lot about you know different feelings and everything um what would you tell yourself, uh, what would you tell nine-year-old you today about, uh, about this journey you're about to go on? Well, I'd tell him, first of all, that it's trying to, to prove his independence is not nearly as important <laughs> as it seems at the time. Uh, I think I would explain to him, yeah, a, lot of, a lot of what I would say is what you would say to your own, like, uh, your non-diabetic nine-year-old self, like, right. quit being an idiot and these things are going to impact your future. Uh, Tie your shoes, wipe your mouth. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, you know, I think a lot of it would just be like, hey, you're about to go through some years where you're going to do some damage to yourself. You're going to try to be your own person, That's, and it's not that important. Like, you can be you can be your own person and be in control of all of it without without proving other people wrong. Because I, I think, you know, whenever I was diagnosed with the gastroparesis, which has since, like, pretty much cleared up I don't I don't know how it clears up whether the nerve repairs itself or if it just wasn't as bad as I thought it was or what but like so since then I've been a whole lot better but in that time it was like I was causing damage that was causing real neuropathy in my body and it just you know it didn't sink in back then yeah it did once I you know was an older teenager but you know I I would also tell nine-year-old me that like it's there are far worse things in the world it's a manageable thing but it's kind of like in some ways diabetes is a lot like having another bank account uh you you have things going in so you have like food and whatnot going in and then you have expenditures coming out so well you could even say it the other way the food is the expenditures and the insulin is the saving or whatever right. either way you you have your blood you have your food intake and then your insulin which balances it and your blood sugar going up and down and you're trying to keep it balanced and so it's just this constant bank account that you have to just pay attention make sure that the expenditures and the income match essentially and it's just that the result or the consequences of not maintaining that bank account long term can you know cause a lot of damage to your body and. Um, and there's emergency things with it that a regular bank account doesn't have, like emergency low blood sugars and stuff. But it's just another response. Sometimes you just need that emergency line of credit. Yeah, right. In the middle of the night. I, yeah, I'm going to get a loan. <laughs> um, but that's the thing, you know, it's, it's just another responsibility. And if it's done right, diabetes is not a deadly thing. It's not... Um, as detrimental as what people are used to seeing, like the missing limbs and that sort of thing, if you take care of yourself, right. if you learn enough about it to take care of yourself. And, you know, and that doesn't mean you can't splurge and whatnot here and there, but, like, do it with knowing how to do it. You know, talk to your doctor and learn. Because I remember my doctor telling me, if you want to eat ice cream, here's what you do. Right. And it was like, they knew I was going to eat it anyway. So it was like, why not give him the tools he needs to eat it, you know? And... So, 
whatever you can make from all of that I just spouted out. No, that's and great. I love that analogy. I've never I never thought of it like that. It was very cool. Well, I, I remember learning, my, my parents trying to teach me to budget, and I was like, oh, this crap's just like diabetes. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to do this either. So. <laughs> now all of a sudden you're a master budgeter. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> no. oh, it's great, man. Thanks for coming on the show. No problem. Thank you for having this me won't too. be the last time. All right, sounds um, good. Yeah, coming soon, uh, Diabetics doing improv Ooh, uh, that'll with, be fun. with our friend Lizzie Power, so that'll be great. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Diabetics Doing Things. Subscribe to our newsletter for weekly emails and behind-the-scenes content. And if you or someone you know has an amazing story to share, send an email to rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com.